Uh, thank you very much for uh, allowing us to come here again, and uh, thank you very much for your prayers. Uh, for us, we are really dependent upon people's prayers when we go around the place, um, especially in other countries. And uh, I just want to pray first, and then read from the word, and then John will say a couple of things, and and I'll uh, say what I've got to say here. Uh, so, shall we pray? Father, thank you, Father, for this uh, opportunity to worship you again and to tell you once again we love you, Lord. Uh, you're the best thing that's ever happened to us. Uh, yeah, we love our families, we love our children, grandchildren, friends, but, Lord, uh, we love you. We really love you, Lord, and uh, we want to love you more. Will you help us love you more, Lord, and give us that hunger and, and thirst and desire in our hearts to... Be all out for you, 100%, uh, without any holding back. Uh, Lord, we pray that I pray tonight you'll help me. Uh, I just need your help so much in uh, saying what you've given me to say. Uh, because, Lord, uh, only you've got something to say to us. And only when you say something, it really matters. And uh, so, Lord, just uh, in faith believe that you're going to uh, use your words tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read from Luke um, chapter 7, 36 to 50. I'm sure you're quite used to uh, this passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 7, 36 to 50. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She bought an alabaster jar of perfume. Now she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she had put perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, but she loved much. He who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who can even forgive sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Well, Janice is going to say a couple of things now uh, about our last trip before I uh, look at that passage. Don't worry, I'm not going to play the piano. <laughs> this has come as a shock. I wasn't expecting it. Um, but just one, one very exciting 
piece of news. Um, we we um, visit a school in Hebron, uh, which is an evangelical school with only Muslim children in it. We've spoken about it before, 250 Muslim children. But the, the, all the staff are Christians, and they have an assembly every day, they tell the children about Jesus. In fact, some fanatical Muslims broke into the school a few years ago and had the headmistress up against the wall with a knife to her throat, um, forbidding her to tell these children about the Lord Jesus. And she said, I can't but speak about Jesus who saved me. And they dropped the knife and ran. But the exciting thing is that what we were told this year and what we saw this year uh, was a little child of the, at the age of nine who went up to her teacher one day and said, Miss, I've got a secret. And uh, the teacher said, well, well, what's the secret? And she said, I see Jesus. And the teacher thought, wow, I, I can't deal with this really. So she said, well, we'll go and tell Mr. Karam, the headmaster, about what you're telling me. And uh, so she went before the headmaster and she, she said, um, Mr. Karam, I see Jesus. And uh, he asked her where? And she said, every day in assembly, I see him there. I think, wow, you know, a nine-year-old child, who are we to doubt what that little child is saying? He asked her what, uh, what, she, what he looked like. She described what she thought uh, he looked like. And, um, and so it went on. And she, he said to her, where have you heard about Jesus before then, apart from in school? And she said, well, my grandmother, who's a Muslim, uh, collects all of her grandchildren together. And then two people come to her home and we lock the door. And those people tell us stories about the Lord Jesus. And that's how I heard about him, uh, apart from school. And that's why I see him. Uh, it turns out these two visitors were two Swiss missionaries who have been in the West Bank, and especially around the Hebron area, which is, you know, 100% Muslim. And these two ladies have been there for 20 years, knocking doors, going in, having a cup of coffee, uh, hospitality and telling the people about the Lord Jesus and maybe this is the first fruit that she has seen that they have seen out of their visits that this little child has seen Jesus another story uh, was from Angus Buchan have you heard of Angus Buchan faith like potatoes man um, from South Africa uh, he, he was speaking in Engedi this year at the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles and we were there, we, we saw it uh, on video link and he was telling a story, a uh, true story, he was in the, the um, garden tomb in Jerusalem just before the feast started and a little child came up to him, one of their group and she said to him, Uncle Angus, I've just seen Jesus and he said, really? Did he say anything to you? Yes, he spoke to me, Uncle Angus. He said, I'm coming back. And in fact, he added, I've already started my way. And that's just fantastic, isn't it? Anyway, that's it. <laughs> yes, so uh, I was jealous. I thought, what a wonderful thing, that child opening her eyes in that assembly in the morning 
where the gospel is preached and they've got texts around the they've even got the lord's prayer in arabic letters they've got the lord's my shepherd in our, so muslim children are looking at the gospel and hearing it shared and uh, this little one has seized the lord jesus in assembly and i thought to myself wow that must be something special uh, you know um something that uh, maybe we will well, we will see him one day face to face well thank you john i i just want to um spend a little bit of time on this passage and um now i wear this not because i'm jingoistic uh but i was in the royal navy for three years and uh, uh you know we, we should remember we know that it's remembrance sunday and um uh, it's so easy to forget things because i know in the 50s and the early 60s people didn't make a fuss about it at all it was almost forgotten uh, a pity about that john and i visited Ypres uh, a couple of years ago i went to that menin menin gate memorial if you've ever seen it it's absolutely staggering it's in belgium in the flanders fields of belgium and on on the walls written in portland stone 54389 names of people that were killed some of them have never been found and you know when you think of the price that's been paid there uh, for us and um, and every evening at eight o'clock every evening at eight o'clock um, the last post is played at the menin gate memorial and um, we've got to remember what the lord has done for us as well and i'm focused going to be focusing on that you know um I'm, I'm staggered at this blue planet too watch it tonight if you've got time at home you know it's an amazing program um david attenborough but what struck me about it is god's creation and also david attenborough doesn't know how to say thank you he says it's amazing isn't it wonderful and he doesn't know who to thank and it reminds you of acts isn't it when uh, paul went to the Eropagus and uh, he's been shown around and there's a statue there to the unknown god well he's got an unknown god uh, attenborough's got an unknown god he doesn't know who to thank uh, because he knows it's that can't have just happened uh, and an enemy feeding itself and all the and tonight they've got a couple of fish pushing uh, a coconut shell they've worked out that if they push this coconut shell over there they can lay eggs in it staggering well, you know, he doesn't know who to say thank you to. Um, I, I'm sure you've heard this story before. This is a, a child in a market with its mother. I think it was in Seattle Market. And uh, they're going along and uh, come to a fruit stall, and the child is ogling some of the fruit. So the, 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 the fruiterer grabs one of these and, and uh, gives this child an orange. And the child snatches the orange out of the fruiterer's hand and his mother turns to it rightly so and says what do you say and the child went peel it well i don't know deserved a clip don't you think deserved a clip um there's a story told about a man called edward spencer um i don't know if you've ever read about him uh, he was uh, only 25 he was a member of a life-saving team uh, rescuing people from lake michigan near evanston and um edward spencer uh, a ship went aground and edward spencer went into the icy waters of the lake 
and rescued 17 people. Icy waters. This is winter time, and it's very cold there. Rescued 17 people. And as a result of that, his health was badly affected. Um, so much so that he died within a couple of years of that incident. And in his funeral, people noticed that not one of the people he saved had come to thank him for his sacrifice. And uh, in gratitude, well, how grateful are we, how thankful are we tonight for our Lord. Now, in Luke 7, we've got this beautiful incident that shows gratitude and ingratitude. And you know the story, a sinful woman, a woman of the street, um, and a religious person. And there's Jesus. Those are the characters, really. And Jesus has been invited to this party by this religious person for whatever agenda, I don't know, but uh, he doesn't tell us. But in that party, this woman of the street had turned up uninvited and came up behind Jesus, and she did four things. She wept over his feet. She washed his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair. And I haven't got a W for anointed. Why anointed, if you like? Anointed his feet with expensive perfume. She wept, she washed, she wiped, and anointed his feet with expensive perfume. Why did she do this? Well, she was grateful to the Lord Jesus for what he had done for her. Now, the religious person, he was judgmental. Um, he looked down upon this woman in his heart, of course. Didn't say it in front of the Lord, but he read his heart, didn't he? He knows exactly what we're thinking now. Um, he knew, oh, this woman is a woman of the street. And long hair and all that stuff at that time was a different thing altogether. Um, but Jesus heard his heart, knew exactly what he was saying, uh, she was saying. Uh, uh, he was saying, sorry. Uh, he hears everything we think and feel. That's, that's good to know, isn't it? I don't know about you. We all go through struggles in life. And some of the storms are ferocious. There's one psalm, I forget what psalm it is, where he talks about the storm from afar. Then he comes closer. Then the trees are falling. And then there's the mountain is shaking. And then it recedes. Life is like that. Storms come at us from different angles. And um, Jesus then, after reading this man's heart, tells a simple, piercing story. Two people, two debtors. One owed ten times more than the other. And Jesus asked a question of the religious man. Whom he thought was most grateful? The man who owed more or the one who owed less? And of course he said, the one who owed most. Well, of course, the one with the biggest debt would be the one who'd be most grateful. And then Jesus pressed home the point, the piercing point. He's good at getting right at the piercing point, isn't he? In John 21, he does that. You know, with Peter. Do you love me more than these? Of course I do. Do you love me more than these? Whatever these means. Could be television, could be money, could be cars, could be houses, could be your family, could be you. And he asks him a third time. And it hurts him right to his heart. Of course you know. Jesus had to get into his heart, into that innermost part where he was hiding things. And he presses home the point here to this religious man. 
See, the religious man had done nothing for Jesus. The woman uh, had, that the woman had done. He hadn't wept. He hadn't washed his feet. He hadn't wiped his feet. He hadn't anointed Jesus. She'd done all this at a great price. Because we know about the, the cost of this perfume. It was hundreds of pounds. She was thankful because her sins had been forgiven. Now, in this story, of course, um, the picture of the two people is the Pharisee and the woman, the two debtors. That's what we've got here, and it wouldn't have been beyond this man to understand that. It's supposed to be an intelligent man. He's telling this story. There were two debtors. One didn't know much. One owed a lot. It's you and the woman. Both are in debt. And of course, I don't know, maybe you're religious tonight. Maybe you're from the street tonight. The important thing here is that the four things that the woman did for Jesus are exactly what he's done for us. Exactly what he's done for us. He wept. He weeps over us. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And if you Google, does God cry? Oh, you get loads, loads of things coming up. But, you know, Jesus cried. Jesus is God. God cries. Now, I don't know whether he cries in heaven, but he cries. He cried on this earth. The Son of God cried. And we know in John 11, 35, the verse that we all learn in Sunday school, because it's two words, Jesus wept. You know, how many times have we heard that in the Sunday school lesson or in the Sunday school giving scripture back? The Son of God cries over us tonight. And he cries over our sin. He cries over our hurts. I'm glad about that. He wept. He washes us. He washes us. And 1 Corinthians 6, 11 said, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. I am glad he's washed me. I've said it many times in chapels, you know, down in West Wales. Somebody could walk in from Llangranog, where I was brought up and I was a wild kid. They could say, what's he doing in the pulpit? But my hoonan here in the pulpit now. On in Covio there. Yeah, well, yeah. I remember it well. But I've been washed. He's washed us. We're washed clean, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. He wipes us. He wipes our tears away. This word wipe, apparently, um, is to mean to knead out, to smear out, to obliterate the mess. I like that. You don't have to go back there and say, oh, I did this, I did that. He's wiped it out. He's wiped it out. We're clean. And he anoints us, of course. And because of that anointing, we are priests and sons and rulers with him. I want to look up some of these verses um, in Isaiah 25, 8. I want to look all of them up, but some of them are worth reading. Well, they're all worth reading, of course. Isaiah 25, 8, about the um, wiping us. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. 
He'll remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And then, of course, in 2 Corinthians 1.21, we're told about uh, the anointing. 2 Corinthians 1.21 Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit on our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Because we've become priests and rulers with him now. And, um, you know, I, I looked up the origin of that word anointing, and um, I got this book that explains these things at home. Apparently, shepherds practiced... Um, when they were dealing with their sheep to stop lice and other insects getting into the wool of the sheep and burrowing into the ears and killing the sheep. They used to oil the sheep. I never heard that before. And I spoke to a, a shepherd recently who told me it's true. Somebody said, ah, yes, I remember doing that. And they put, used to put oil on the sheep to make the wool slippery. Can you imagine the lice skating all around the place? Falling onto the floor. It's a lovely picture, isn't it? Lice trying to get in to do damage, and here they are slipping off. Um, insects couldn't get near, and of course the anointing is symbolic of blessing, of protection, and empowerment. We've been anointed. Let's take it in. You know, we've been anointed by the Lord Jesus. Now maybe you're not knowing who to thank for all the blessings you've got. I remember, I don't know if we've ever shared here about Colombia, but John and I went to Colombia some years ago, six years ago, and we might have shared here, but you know, um, we were there, there were five of us, and we had five minders, big boys, looking after us. They were all pastors. They were big pastors, big in the sense of muscles, I mean, and the only time they left us was when we went to the toilet, and then they stood outside, and uh, we thought, it's a bit over the top, in it? But they were scared we were going to be whipped away somewhere. And um, we only had one person in our team that could translate because they were speaking Spanish. Uh, and of course, it was a great strain on him. And uh, anyway, towards the end of the week, we thought we were in the way. We thought we were really in the way here. You know, all we've been is a burden to these people. They have to look after us. And on the Friday, the last day we were there, uh, they were having a presentation ceremony because they brought on all these pastors in from the surrounding jungle, places where they were being killed. There were families there, there were pastors there, and they were having Bible study. And at the end of the week, they were having a test. Hands up. Wow. And we'd taken a load of gifts with us. Baseball caps, footballs, and things like that, you know, that we were told to take. And of course, uh, the questions were being asked and the hands were going up, 60 pastors striving to answer the questions. Very exciting. And then the one who won, or the people who won, they were called forward, and it was a very humbling experience because they asked us to present these brave people with these gifts we'd taken. But you know what struck us? They were crying. They were all crying. The pastors were crying and hugging us. And we thought, what's wrong with these people? And somebody told us afterwards, it's because you went. Because you showed you cared. Not because it's us, 
that because there were people in the world praying for them and lifting them up before the throne of grace, they were grateful. Just because we were there, we were useless, couldn't speak the language, we were in the way, really, having to have a protection detail. And yet these people were crying because there were people praying for them in Wales and in England. They were grateful. And you know, what about our gratitude? Maybe you not, don't know who to thank tonight. Maybe you're like a religious man, think that you don't need the Lord Jesus, except as some kind of touch wood, a good luck charm. I don't know why that Pharisee asked him in. Maybe to show off, perhaps. Or look who I've got in my house. I've got Jesus here. Maybe that was his motive, I don't know. Jesus could read his heart. Could read whether it was a trap or not. But the new woman knew who to thank. Because she realized that Jesus, a son of God, wept over her to repent. Washed her of her sin. Wiped her clean. Anointed her as one of his children. What about you tonight? Jesus weeps over you tonight. He wants to wash you. We need washing all the time. That's why it's good to hear the word, isn't it? He wants to wipe you clean. He wants to anoint you. To use you. To make you one of his children, maybe for the first time. I remember, you know, when my, uh, when, um, my mother was living with us. She'd lost her mind and everything. Uh, the big thing with my mother was debt. People in that generation worried about it. You know, they did not want to be in debt. Post-war, this is. And you know... My, my mother used to go to the local post office in Llangranog and because um, my dad was on sea during the war and after the war and uh, my mother didn't have any money and she had two boys to bring up and, and she'd say to her friend Mary in post they, everybody was called like that down there Dan the Milk, Jones the Post well this was Mary in post office and uh, she said to her friend Mary look I, I've got no money I, I, I need uh, flour, milk and bread if you've got it and she would give it to her and then she'd have a, a chalkboard it was chalk in those days not easy today like this visual, visual aids and all this soft pen you know chalk this is real stuff now <laughs> and she'd write on the she'd write on the board Ethan Briggs flour and the amount it cost and so on and there'd be four or five things there and then mum's money order would come through always late and she'd go over to the post office and change it. And you know, wonderful? Mary and Post used to take a rag and used to go, wiped clean. Wiped clean. And that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. He's washed us clean. He's wiped us clean. Do you know, I don't know if you know what the debt of this country is. I was quite staggered. 7.8 trillion. That's a lot of money, isn't it? 7.8 trillion. But you know, we'll never pay the debt. We might be able to pay that off one day as a country, but we'll never pay back Jesus, what he's done for us. We can never pay the price for our sin. He's done that for us already. I've got a friend in school. Uh, I won't name her in case you're related to her. Uh, but she talked with me, lovely lady, loves God. And um, about, um, yeah, it must have been about 10 years ago, just after I'd retired, um, came to see us and said, look, I am very, very ill. Uh, I've probably only got six months to live. She had a rare form of leukemia. Scoured the country, scoured her family, first of all, 
Is there a bone marrow match? Nobody, not even her sister or her sister's children or her own children, her own child had the right bone marrow match. Death sentence. And then all of a sudden, she gets a call from Cardiff after about four months. She's had the chemotherapy and so on. Uh, she's going through that. A call from Cardiff saying, look, we found a match for you in France. Amazing. Anthony Nolan Trust. Wow. Took her up to Cardiff, put her in this bubble again. They pumped the bone marrow into her. Healed. She's cured. But you know, one of the problems with, with her was, how do I thank him? Are we good experts here who know about this? You're not supposed to know who it is. And she wanted to thank this person. This person saved her life. The Lord did it really, because she believes in the Lord, and the Lord actually led this person to uh, the, the link up and so on. But for several years, she wanted to see this person. And I, I don't know what, how many years have to go by before you're allowed to do it, but she's now being allowed to meet this man, to say thank you to him, because she's grateful, because that man's bone marrow has saved her life. You know, we've got the Lord Jesus who saved our souls. And it's a wonderful picture here, I think. Uh, they're both in debt. They both need forgiveness. The one recognizes it, the other one doesn't. I hope you recognize tonight that you needed forgiveness, that you, you needed your sins washed and wiped away and cleansed. That we're not like the Greeks with an unknown God. We've got a known God. We've got the Lord Jesus Christ. I finish with this, uh, this story. I, I like this because it's a great hymn. Uh, 17th century Germany, city of Eilenburg, Pastor Martin Reichart. And the country's in the middle of war and famine and disease. And during one period, Reichart conducted 50 funerals a day because the plague was sweeping uh, through the town. And among those Reinhardt buried were members of his own family. And yet during those days and years of darkness, death and destruction created each new day. This pastor wrote 66 sacred songs and hymns. Among them was this hymn, and I'm sure you know it. Now thank we all our God. He's in the middle of all this happening. All this is happening around him. And maybe tonight, if you're going through a difficult storm, you know, we, we can say, Lord, yes, he's still there. Uh, he's still there. He hasn't changed. We don't understand what's going on, but you're still there, Lord. You've kept us, and you're going to keep us faithful because we're trusting in you. Now, thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things has done in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. Even in the midst of all that, you had a heart in tune with God and could sing praises and thanksgiving, even in the darkness night. Well, how grateful are we? How grateful are we tonight for the Lord Jesus? Are we as grateful as that woman? I hope we are, for his name's sake. Amen.